Welcome to the ghost gig. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. We are we, begun. Are, are we doing it? Yes. Okay. No, hang on. Now. Oh, now right. we're doing it. Uh, go. Uh. Hi, everyone. Hello. We're back. And Vince is back. Hey. I never left. You ran on without me. Yeah, okay, I'm back. No, you didn't. You've gone away again. I was doing things. You were doing things. Picking your I'm nose. I'm sorry, and... Alda. Not all the time. <laughs> In the corner, picking Not all his the time. nose. Yeah, but quietly. Yeah. That's why you can only just about hear me on the last episode. Watching reruns just of... gently uh, picking. Watching reruns of Midsummer Murders. No. <laughs> but you don't deny the nose picking. That's No, no, no. no that's, that's fine. fine. Yeah. Midsummer Murders you don't want to be known for. Absolutely not. I don't want that going anywhere beyond this room. <laughs> Well, it's nice. To, it's nice to have you back, I suppose. I left lots. Of, I was about to say it's nice to be back because I, I'm in this room quite a lot. You are. You live as, in as here. A, as are you, and so yeah. it's a bit weird going away because we haven't gone away. Okay. But but anyway, I don't know. I'm overthinking it now. Yeah, let's let's just crack on. Um, hope we've all had a good couple of weeks. And if you remember the last main episode we did, we covered the orphan film two thousand two thousand and nine. We did, and as promised, we are now today covering. Orphan. Previous one. Oh, the Orphan the First sequel, Kill. sequel, but it's a prequel. It's a prequel. It's not a sequel. It's a prequel, but, but it came out several a long time after uh, it came out yeah. this year. Um, yeah, it's The Orphan First Kill, made, yeah. released this year. Released this year. Um, very quick overview. Overview. After escaping, after escaping from a psychiatric facility in Estonia, Esther travels to America. Yeah. Remember, Esther is said orphan by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. Yet an unexpected twist arrives that pits her against a mother who will protect her family at any cost. What a twist! Yes. yes. Uh, we're looking at each other. Um, yeah, we, we look at each other quite a lot. Um, just not always when being recorded. You saw these films the wrong way round, which I think was my fault. That, it probably was, but yeah. at the same time I didn't really protest. Yeah. I was really excited to see this film because the, I really loved the first film. But then I realised I loved the first film because of the twist at the end. It was a good film, but the twist at the end was its like shining beacon. Yeah, it was of that era and type of film where like basically everything rides on the twist. Yeah, and I mean not that it's you know got no qualities outside that, but it was a big part of the film. Yeah, the second film it was all we well, already it, knew it. It, it, so... played, it played on the fact that you were going to know this twist. Yeah, so it had a different one in store. But it's not the only film to do that. You know, you have to think inventively about these things outside of horror. Um, they did a similar thing in the second Lego movie, actually. Oh, so okay. they, there's a twist in the first one. You're like, oh, you know what's coming. So, oh, I, and they, they subvert it. But the thing That's is, I, I, they didn't really subvert it. No, much, they didn't really subvert it? this. So, so it's a story of how Esther becomes or comes to America, and it kind of ends where the first film, where the first film picked up. For me, yeah, it, it, was, it felt like it was answering a lot of questions no yeah. one was necessarily asking. But I mean, you know, it I, was not that it was unenjoyable. I enjoyed the first bit, like to, um, it shows you how she actually chose to become Esther. You know how she, she yeah. uh, sort of went online and uh, found you know a load of missing kids in America and and found this girl who was missing and you know taught herself to look like her. It was quite that was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I just felt that because they'd done the big reveal the big wow in the first film they didn't really have anywhere to go you would think that but that was not really the case was it because there's a different wow what was the different wow the different i mean if you i mean you guess let's face it or you would expect spoilers and something like this yeah, anyway, yeah. wouldn't you um yeah so if you haven't watched it just just 
go watch it or, you know, come back to this later. We'll wait. Waiting. Okay, right, we finished waiting. Very quick film. Yeah, it's, it's quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know you know, Esther's not actually a 10-year-old girl or 12-year-old yeah. girl in this. Yeah. Um, but you don't know the motivations of the family she's ended up in because she's impersonating a lost child who's yes. been reunited with the kid. And then further down the film, it really turns out this child was not lost. She was murdered by the mother figure. That's true. Who is then rather suspicious when someone comes in it. So obviously the mum knows that yeah. Esther is fake. Yeah. But the dad seems to be very she doesn't excited know she's, by this She all. doesn't know she's a grown-up. No, no. But then, but again... So actually, Esther, it ends up being sort of trapped in this yeah. murder mystery in the middle of it whilst trying to hide who she is and avoid her mother who knows who she is but not entirely who she is. It, yeah. Yeah. It plays with lots of different dynamics. When, they could have made more of that, I guess, but they didn't really want to. They didn't really... To. And when, um, again, like, spoilers, like, if you've not seen it, when Esther tells the mum, she kind of gets trapped into having to tell her mum, telling the mum that she is indeed a 30-odd-year-old woman, the mum just goes, oh, all right. Yeah. Doesn't really seem yeah. that amazed. Well, we know now that mum, the mum's already unhinged because she and the, the her son, the brother, yeah. were the ones responsible for the daughter's death. That's that true. Esther is impersonating. So they're already unhinged. But it's odd because you end up sort of having to root for the anti-heroine, really, because yeah. she's the protagonist. Yeah, and that's quite But clever. you also know that she has to survive, otherwise yeah. the film you've already seen wouldn't That's it. Happen. I just feel like they've already like pulled out their winning ticket or whatever and everything feels a bit limp compared to because just my opinion i thought it was such a good twist the first i thought it was such a good twist is now everything kind of pales into insignificance compared to it in the second film i know i felt like this like they had up to the ante quite cleverly at least cleverly enough you know it was it it wasn't um they they knew that you know everyone's gonna know this so let's do something else and they did a pretty good pretty good twist on that and it took time to come out as well which is quite nice Kind of like the first one, though, it relies on, oh, wait for the twist, wait for the twist. Uh, I guess. I, I think. Well, for the, for a while, quite a while, she's basically being an investigative kind of yeah. in position. She's being a detective. It's weird being in a detective film that's in the middle of sort of a horror. Yeah, I mean, sort of a horror. It, obviously, because we know the twist. It's more of a I mean, drama. It's, it, I mean, the horror side comes from the fact that she is um, a psychiatric patient and she might, you know, you never know what she's going to do. She, she might play with you. She might kill you. You know, it's that unknowing of what how she's going to be. She's very calm when she kills people. Yeah. It is unnerving. Well, yeah. actually, to begin with that, she's still not quite so calm to begin with because she it definitely sort of starts out in like pretty stereotypical slasher territory, to be honest. I thought when the beginning was pretty good. Getting out. Yeah, it's when good. When she escapes like, from the asylum. Yeah. That was good. That was good yeah, and yeah. creepy and, you know, nice old fashioned slasher. Enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it was. And after that, it changes tone quite drastically yeah. for the rest of the film. It's, like the next. It's a bit satire. It's always a bit like, um, you know. The mum's pretending that she doesn't know and she's pretending she doesn't know and they have no idea and oh, oh, oh you know. Everyone's what, just doing it yes, to keep the dad happy. What a right old situation we've got ourselves in here. Yeah. The dad's <laughs> really happy that she's back, his daughter's back, so everyone else is just playing along. Yeah. But they all know she's fraud. She's a fraud, but they don't want to oust her because that means they have to out themselves as murderers. Okay. There's some different stuff here. Yeah. And the big cool showdown at the end is actually quite fun, I think. Yeah, visually it was very good. But again, we knew we knew what was going to happen at the end because it's already told in the first film. Well, they're all, and you've seen the first film. They say, "Oh, all the family died, and Esther was the only one left alive." Yeah, so, so that's the what big happened. Mysterious fight. Yeah, yeah, we we know. <laughs> the rest of the time, they end up sort of explaining some of Esther's weird quirks from the first film, like her 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 use of UV paint when she does painting. Yeah, and her, like, they, they actually spend quite a lot of time explaining that, even though no one really asked too many of the questions i don't feel maybe i'm wrong there but yeah it, it was it padded out the, the character a bit that was interesting I think there was a lot of padding out to be honest 
Perhaps. What you think? Uh, yeah. Think, um, oh, oh. I don't know, because if they were just trying to pad, there was definitely avenues which they could have gone down that they didn't. Yeah. So it, it wasn't exclusively pad. It really wasn't. And this was one of my biggest um, thoughts, and it, it, it can't be helped. And I don't know if you agree, but in the, in the first film, in Orphan 2009, yeah, yeah. she looks like a child. She yes. absolutely does. This film, she didn't. Completely. And that's, uh, yeah. yeah. It okay, just so it in, wasn't it, the same. By the time the actress is um, playing a, a 31 year old at this point, yeah. who's pretending to be a 10 year old, the actress is now about like 24, 25. Yeah. Originally, she was like 15. Yeah. So it was believable seeing her like acting as a 12 year old. Yeah, fine. But yeah, this time around, I've got to be honest, they she did lots look. of clever tricks with like perspective and things like this. Yeah. But like, they did quite a good job of the makeup, but like you can tell when someone is older than they're dressed because you look at yeah. the neck skin and the clavicle exactly the same she way you do in did. real life. Well, just in they just face, ignored that. Her face like, had changed to a grown-up's face. Exactly. It just didn't look. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but in the going back to the first film, that bit where um, they're revealing that she's actually an adult, and mm. you see you see the sequence of her taking off her makeup and taking out her teeth. Yeah. That, yeah. I remember that really creeping me. Like, oh, because she still looked like a child and it was really uncomfortable. And oh, but this time round, she really did look like a grown up. Yeah. That had just been put in pigtails and a dress. Which is odd because the character's supposed to be two years younger. It didn't yeah, quite. Yeah, it didn't work, sadly. It, it was annoying because, I mean, if it was like um, just a bit unfortunate, you think, well, okay, fine. But it actually took me out of the moment quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, me too. And it's I not... could have overlooked it if it was just like. Um, and yeah, an earnest, you know. Well, we did our best. Like, it wasn't no, it actually kind of that's like a central yeah. pivot of this thing. It wasn't it? the fault. It's of, not working. It wasn't the fault of the actress. Like she, nah. the acting was was very good, but oh, the acting is amazing. She just didn't look good. She just didn't look the same at all. And that's fine. But like, it, I, I did think she did a great job. She's, I think, yeah. she's a better actress now than she was. And well, she's as, she, good in the as first you would one. be, but over ten years ago. Yeah. But like her and the mum, the, the characters they're playing, they really go for it. Yeah. Like, I, to be honest, by the end, they're holding the film together. Yeah. But they are also the main kind of focal point of all the action once, I mean, once everything else has fallen away it's a standoff where they're trying to not make yeah. it look like a standoff and it's quite good I would have said make, make the why did they make the film so much late like 2009 they should have made it quicker so she didn't grow up do you know what I mean? I, I mean, I think it was an afterthought anyway. Yeah, this smells like an afterthought. But they can't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't want to change the actress. I get that because it, nope. um, the that actor's become a bit of a cult. Isabella Burnham, I think, and it has become a yeah, bit of a cult yeah. figure um, as Esther. So I understand they couldn't change the actress, but they just left it too long, in my opinion. And she just looked too old. Yeah, she sadly. looked like herself, really. Yeah. <laughs> and they couldn't. They Which couldn't, is dis- they couldn't disguise it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are other tricks other than perspective and makeup that yeah, they were using. It yeah. was, they didn't go as far as CGI and, like that, and I'm glad they didn't because I'm sure that was a discussion that would have been had. Yeah. That would have looked No, CGI would tragic. have been worse, I think, actually. So um, it's good they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, honestly, I think that they probably had, if they'd have had the idea long ago, they probably didn't have the funding mm-hmm. and it just took a while to get through. Yeah. Or maybe they just, honestly, maybe The Orphan wasn't actually a massive hit until it had been on home release for several years because it's a cult film it's, a cult it's film. not a, it yeah. wasn't a massive blockbuster film it's yeah. a b movie yeah so like you you just don't get that kind of funding no you know a year or two afterwards you, you, no i mean it I feel wasn't like, really gonna happen i feel like i'm being a real downer on it but I, I would say watch it because it's interesting the first sort of 10 15 minutes is really good when she escapes the asylum and then it's quite interesting seeing you know how she becomes who she is but, yeah all those sort of weird tropes and quirks that yeah. she has in the first film like they kind of explain yeah. it some of it's like yeah, it it was nice. But generally I wouldn't I wasn't as into it as I was the first film. And I really loved the first film. So yeah. Fair. yeah. But it, it it did retain some of that unpredictability unpredictability that mm. the first one does have yeah. when you watch it the first time. Um it, it it is clever. 
the film is clever. I, I mean, uh, the writers did do a good job. It's just that mm. I think that their premise was perhaps not quite as well grounded as they thought themselves into thinking it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it is still clever and it's still enjoyable, but, but eh. did it need to happen Mm-mm. beyond? I'm sure it. I'm sure it. You know, brought them in a nice, handsome, tidy sum. So. It, it felt a bit like it's paying for someone's extension to a house yeah. or something like that, <laughs> yeah, rather than it is, it is, because yeah. a load of people desperately wanted yeah. to make this story, you know, make it be yeah. told. Well, yeah. well probably yeah. not. Oh, I need to get the builders in. What film hasn't been looked at for a while? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, we haven't done Orphan since 2009. Let's do something with that. You know? And it's a real shame when that's kind of your, your takeaway thought from something. You think, ah, mm. I want something to be a bit more substantial than that, yeah. really. Yeah. It's fine to want to extend your house. That's, I have no issue mm. with that. But like, yeah, it, it, it quite shows but yeah, in this what one. Mean, it feels like it was put together with that kind of purpose. Once you took away the shock of her actually being not being a child, it's just a, a mad lady killing people, really. I mean, acting very well and written very well, but it is just a mad lady killing people, which is done Well, it isn't just times. that because there's, it's her trying to kill people, but in, in this way they, they frame it differently because the mother's going to kill her. Yeah, true. The mother is going to kill people her. Killing people. So it's it's... The mum's trying to kill her. She's trying to save her own life, work out the mystery, and save face in front of the dad who is completely oblivious to all of it. Mm. Um, I think, I think, I think yeah. you were more impressed than I was by the sounds, but that's okay. I'm trying to be nice to it because there were, there were good things about it. You are allowed um, an opinion. I, I know, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I can really can't get beyond. And we'll, you'll hear in the song when we, get, when we you... get to the sing song, you'll be like, you yeah. realise, like, actually, to be honest, the the. The, the lack of believability of the, the lead actress being 10, mm. um, which cause she's not, um, that, that takes it out too far. Yeah. It just it refuses to let you really sink into the enjoyment of the film for me. Well, if you, if you just don't know how to express yourself, Vince, maybe you should through the medium of song. Um, I mean, I could. It is what we do. It is what we do. I mean, you can dance, but people won't be able to Oh, sing. that's a really good idea. Yeah. He's dancing. He's dancing. No, it's not I'm, working. You're going to have to do it through song. Sorry. I'll try harder. Hang on. <laughs> Smack yourself in the face. <laughs> How was that? I just still don't think they could see you. Play your song. All right, here's a song. This is how it starts. What people asking for this? In the story stand alone Well I guess we start and slash a mould So watch a 25 year old Playing a 31 year old Playing a 10 year old Darker than the original Lessened tension on our anti-heroine Esther's true identity isn't a mystery to anyone here Our villain turned detective greeted with hostility Becomes a secret prisoner of her family Unexpected 
but inevitable. Shots had no memorable composition, like the plot. I guess we're just kind of stuck on just one setting. When you're a 25-year-old playing a 31-year-old playing a 10-year-old, it starts to show it isn't your fault. By the end, the actors of the mother and girl hold the film together by sheer will. Their committed campy performance in the final act hide much of what the direction lacks. Twist throughout. You better hope your twist's got clout. When you're trading on your twist throughout, well, you better hope your twist got clout. 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 I wish your twist had clouds. I just wish your twist had clouds. I just wish the twist had clouds. That's it, isn't it? A 25-year-old playing a 31-year-old playing a 10-year-old. That's exactly Yeah. <laughs> exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. You're very serious. <laughs> okay, that's leveled it out. Yeah, cool. we go. I feel better now. <laughs> uh, ready? Right. For, yeah. Ready for mine? I, I think I'm ready. Give me a moment. <gasps> Cut out the bag and that was your hook We've kind of already 
this book No surprise, it's just a long straight road And only one way this story could go So, though I admire you soldiering Was it really worth bothering? It's not that you're a total mess But was there really anything fresh? It's like watching TV with the sound turn off Eat your favorite meal when you've got a cold A kiss on the cheek during truth or dare Well it's just a bit, just a bit, just a bit, just a bit Meh Watching TV with the sound turned off Eat your favorite meal when you've got a cold A kiss on the cheek during truth or dare Well it's just a bit, just a bit, just a bit, just a bit Meh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the similes you drew, the comparisons you drew there. Yeah. Like, well, yeah eating was, your favourite meal when you have a cold. That, that's yeah. how the film made me feel, like eating something I really love, but I've got a cold so I can't quite taste it. Yeah. And I think having... Also, you play weird versions of Truth or Dare. <laughs> but that's it. When you go, oh, so-and-so has to kiss so-and-so, and you're all hoping that like, have they have a proper like French kiss, and then they just quickly kiss one another on the cheek. It's like, oh, for God's sake, what a letdown. Yeah, when you when you're twelve. Yeah, when you're twelve. Yeah, I'm not talking now. <laughs> I haven't recently done this. Like, you recently playing Truth or Dare? I, yeah. I was thinking, what else is it? What else is it, like a bit of a letdown? Like, mm. it's not shit, but it's like, oh come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's mild cheddar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I thought it was boisson, but it's mild cheddar. Oh, you made it toasty. Okay. Oh, no, well, you not. put it's... mild cheddar in it. Oh. I mean, it's it's all right. It's nice. Why did you bother? Uh, put a bit of chili in there. Bit of pesto, I guess you could, yeah. Something. But they didn't do that, did they? Yeah. They, this, talking... film did, this film lacked the pesto or the chili. I was going to say, what are we talking about? We're, we're thinking about cheese now. I was talking about toasties. Okay. But then I brought it back around to the film, which didn't involve cheese. Yeah, let me just say, I do like mild cheddar, but I'll, I'll, I'd choose something a bit more pizzazzy if I yeah, was it, given it, the option. It, it's like, boom, boom. Cheese. <laughs> nah, it just doesn't <laughs> have the at the end, you know? Yeah. Oh, well. But I um, hope you like the songs, guys. <laughs> um. Would you like to hear a little story? Just a little one. Just a little one. Um, one day there was a girl. The end. There you go. I like that story. Did but you enjoy that? The plot development was a bit much for me. Okay, thanks. You can reach us on Ghost Music. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. I have a reasonably uh, long story. I mean, for about twenty minutes, which is what we usually do. In really? It. In it? In it? About twenty minutes? About twenty okay. minutes. Crazy, right? Uh, is it going against the grain a bit? It's okay. breaking the mould here. So, um, given that um, our friend Esther escapes from a lunatic asylum. Yeah. Hi, Esther. Would you like to hear about a real life asylum that uh, is very, very famous and is thought to be haunted? And would you like to hear uh, about the history I, I, of it? I think I would. Okay. And I'm just checking. I am saying this right. Hang on. Al- Allegheny. Allegheny. There you go. Allegheny. That's what the computer says. 
Okay. Are you ready to hear about the Allegheny Lunatic Asylum? I am. Okay. Here we go. Let's begin. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in West Virginia first opened its doors to patients in 1864. Over the years, it would gain a reputation to become a house of horrors, one that was extremely haunted. The building had been authorised for assembly in the early 1850s. Mr Thomas Kirkbride, then the superintendent of the Pennsylvania Hospital, had the job of designing the new asylum. Sounds Kirk- fun. I know. I always think of people who can design buildings. That's so amazing. Sorry. Going well, I think back then it was less of a specific profession. I mean, Just obviously, I'm, I know architects did exist. But yeah. Could be like, like, you know, oh, you, de- you designed that painting. Can you design me so-and-so? It just yeah. seemed to be what they did. Amazing. Mm. So Kirkbride went for a gothic Tudor revival style. Wow, just throw everything I'm in thinking there. Like, I, I just pictured like a Tim Burton themed. <laughs> it's probably nothing like yeah. that. His plans also called for long rambling wings arranged in a staggered formation with the idea that each room received a therapeutic dose of sunlight and that the patients had their privacy. Sounds quite nice so far. Yeah, yeah. The construction of the asylum continued to follow the Kirkbride plan. It was built in a remote rural area in order to keep the patients isolated. The plan was that the patients weren't even allowed to receive post. After years of planning, the construction finally began in 1858, initially using the labour of prisoners and slaves. The building work, however, ground to a halt in 1861 by the outbreak of the American Civil War. The half-built hospital suddenly became a barracks for soldiers. This stayed the case until 1963 when the hospital work resumed and the asylum was renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane. It's nice, isn't it? It's a storied history already, yeah. In 1964, it was ready to receive its first patients. Oh, lovely. So, yeah, you've already got, you know, a mad planner and soldiers living in it and, you know, you've already got a nice backlog of uh, potentials here, haven't you? Yeah. The very first patient through the door arrived in mid-October. She was a middle-aged housewife um, who had domestic troubles and was branded a hysterical woman. Right. <laughs> that, that's literally why she yeah. was admitted, because yeah. she was hysterical. Records from the hospital's logbook named um, reasons for her admission as grief, congestion of the brain, <laughs> feebleness of intellect, seduction, and novel reading. Novel reading. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, it would be funny if it wasn't true. In the early days of the hospital, asylums were just seen as dumping grounds for unwanted family members. And here's some other reasons why people were admitted, okay? Okay, okay. Laziness. Oh, dear. Religious enthusiasm. <laughs> I would have thought would have been like... Wow. I would have thought they would have encouraged that. I don't know. In the US, yeah. Um, menopause. Right. <laughs> How dare they? Superstition. Oh, right, okay. Masturbation. Right. <laughs> and tuberculosis. Okay, like, they, yeah. you say dumping grounds, so yeah, they want to get people away. Well, I know, like with TV though, oh, you're di- oh, you've got a horrific disease. Go away Fuck from off. me. <laughs> yeah. Even stranger, the asylum would offer money to people for dropping off patients. Oh. Yeah. Very few of those admitted showed any signs of being mentally unwell. Until they were admitted. Until they were admitted, yeah. God. Originally, the hospital was designed for 250 patients. It was pretty self-sufficient, producing its own vegetables, maintaining a dairy herd, and even opening its ice, own ice plant. Mm. <laughs> Nearby was a coal mine for heat and a reservoir for water. All clothing and curtains were made there too, as well as mattresses and most of the furniture. I mean, that's quite impressive. Yeah. It's dreadful. It's pretty industrious. Yeah. 
Uh, this was to fulfill the idea that such institutions could be completely self-sustaining and the parents, parents, the patients would learn a trade. I mean, you're mentally unwell and you're being treated like shit, but hey, you can make a chair, so woohoo. Mm. The building stood on 600 acres of land, which included a cemetery. The many, many people who passed away at the asylum were all buried there. Oh, naturally. Yes. Construction continued into 1881 until the original plan was complete. By now, over 700 patients were crammed into its walls. These were from 200 from 250 to 700. Jeez. Because yeah. if they're taking money for the patients, yep. they're just going to cram them in, aren't they? Oh, yeah. These walls were two and a half feet thick, dense enough to muscle the most ear-splitting of screams. Some of the healing treatments used were truly barbaric. Some patients were put into a coma using insulin. Violent or dangerous individuals were confined to cribs away from everybody else. Sadly, there were many innocent, perfectly sane people held captive in the walls who remained trapped until the end of their lives. Most patients ended up in an unmarked grave on a lonely hillside in the hospital cemetery. By the early 20th century, the attitude that the building should be more directed to maintain lives rather than rehabilitate them took hold. New buildings sprung up all over the site and were filled instantly. Fires were started by various patients, most notable one in 1935 which ravaged the entire fourth floor. By some miracle, everyone escaped with their lives. Amazing. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. By 1938, the asylum held over 1,661 patients. Wow. Record shows it housed people with epilepsy, alcoholics, drug users, and individuals cast as non-educatable. So, okay. people with learning disabilities, I guess, you know. People, it could be anything. That yeah. sounds like a very broad catch-all yeah, kind of label they just used. Anyone who wasn't deemed intelligent enough, it's Horrendous. It's very interesting the kind of rationale they've been using over the years. Yeah, yeah. absolutely horrendous. Mm. By 1949, the number had grown to 1,800 residents. That year, the Charleston Gazette reported that the asylum had poor sanitation, insufficient furniture, lighting and heating in much of its complex. In the 1950s, the hospital reached its peak with 2,400 patients. This would have undoubtedly been the worst time to be a patient at the asylum, with its overcrowdedness and understaffed conditions. Even if an individual arrived with all their wits about them, they were sure to lose their minds after living in this place. Anyone who complained or acted out were sent to solitary confinement, where patients were chained to the walls and left alone in an empty room for months on end. During these years, other horrific medical practices were regularly carried out. These included ice baths, seclusion cells, electroshock therapy and lobotomies. At one point, the most favoured procedure used was known as the ice pick lobotomy. Yep. Mm-hmm. This hellish operation, and I say that with quotes, involved one or two pronged device which was driven through the orbit, orbital socket of the eye and into the brain in one sharp jab. Yep. This caused permanent brain damage and was thought to re- relieve some of the patient's more severe symptoms. In 1952, one of the hospital's doctors alone performed 228 procedures during a two-week period. It became known as Operation Ice Pick. Just pause. Does this remind you of anything, this story? Anything we've watched? Well, yes, that's exactly what I was yeah, thinking it's of. It's American yeah, Horror yeah. Story, isn't well, it? Well, so it must be where. On this, yeah, yeah, it must be. Um, I didn't realise that until I started researching. But yeah, mm. the 
Asylum series of American Horror Story, I'm I'm guessing is based on this. I mean, the likelihood is that this was common practice in other institutions yeah. in around the same time. So this yeah. is the most famous, I guess. So yeah, probably is. Um, great series, by the way. If you've not seen it. Yeah. <laughs> but the biggest problem the hospital faced was overcrowding. The staff just weren't cut out to handle the large patient population, and this led to a sharp increase in violence. Now, a trigger warning here, I'm going to be talking about murder and suicide in the the next few uh, paragraphs. So if um, that's something that will make you uncomfortable, please do skip forward. Okay, thank you. There were several cases of patients even murdering each other. In one instance, two patients hanged another using a set of bedsheets. When this didn't kill him, they cut him down and crushed his head with a metal bed frame. Many of the staff were attacked on duty. One evening, a nurse simply disappeared. Two months later, her decaying body was found slumped at the bottom of an unused staircase. Some of the most unwell and dangerous patients were kept in cages in order to keep them under control. In 1985, a newspaper again exposed asylum as dirty and unkept. It reported... In 1985. In 1985. Serve it again. Yeah. 1985. It reported patients lying naked, left abandoned on dirty wards and lying in their own filth. In 1992, <laughs> it was yep. reported Quick on again. Quick check there, everyone. Yeah, 1992. 1992. Literally, the, you know, I'm, I'm alive by now. That's insane. This is something that sounds like it's from, you know, hundreds of years ago, but I'm actually alive by now. 1992. It was reported on again. That year, a man named George Edward Body had died after a fight with a fellow patient. Another, Brian Scott, had taken his own life and his body was not found for eight days. Finally, two years later, in 1994, the hospital was forced to close. The building stood empty for over ten years until in 2007 it was auctioned to Joe Jordan. To this day, the hospital is now a tourist attraction, open for guided tours, paranormal evenings and ghost hunts. So yeah, let's just get our head around that. 1994, this place closed. So it was being built during the American Civil War. Yep. And it was still in use up until the release of Windows 95. <laughs> yeah. Just There yeah, you go. That's that's grim. Insane. And it actually sounds like when they first built it, they were actually trying to have their patients' best interests at heart. Somewhat. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was at its worst. When, 250 in it was intended for, and then 2,400 ended up, you know, yeah. almost 10 times the number of people. It's, I mean, they did they did build yeah, extensions, yeah, yeah. but it would not have been big enough. It's, it's yeah, horrendous. Um, and the fact that it was still running and being used like this in our lifetimes is terrifying. There is now a museum in the hospital, and several of the rooms have been restored to how they once were in the 1870s through to the 1960s. The endless decaying hallways and vacant patient rooms, including isolation cells, um, have rusted rings in them, which used to once chain the most violent of patients. It creates an extremely eerie atmosphere, the perfect place to meet a ghost. Do you want to know about the ghost? I think we should power on through the ghost, get something a bit more (laughs) lighthearted. Unsurprisingly, there are quite a few spirits to say to haunt the corridors of the old asylum. The story started long before the building stopped being a hospital. In fact, it is said that quite a few staff were driven out of the building, only working there a few days. Thousands were committed to the asylum and 2,000 souls were buried in the ceremony there. Cemetery. And the spirits come in all shapes and sizes. Ghostly figures have been seen walking through the hallways at night. A glimpse of shadowy people slipping past you is commonplace. 
One doctor claimed that a spirit followed her home and continues to trouble her to this day. Others have reported seeing a ball of light moving down the hallway and spying a fleeting apparition dressed in white. The first floor of the building is known as the Civil War Ring. This is the oldest part of the hospital. Here it is said that a former patient lurks. Her name is Ruth and she hates men. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is unknown for this. Well, I'm guessing because of the way she was treated. But many male visitors have experienced having items thrown at them violently whilst visiting this floor. Not only that, something has been known to push men up against the wall whilst whistling cheerfully. It's very likely that Ruth's spirit is still very much in residence. Mm-hmm. I don't blame her. Men are arseholes. Kidding, kidding, joking, joking. <laughs> in a ward on the second floor, there are a couple of events to note. Uh, again, a bit of a trigger warning because we're going back to uh, a bit of the murder bit. In uh, one room, a man was stabbed 17 times by another patient and in another, two committed suicide by hanging themselves from curtain rods. In this room, shadowy figures have often been seen and EVP records have captured a scratchy, hoarse voice saying, Get out! I mean, that is kind of standard fare for those kinds of things. That tends to be all they tend to say. Yeah, get out or you will die or something. Or, I don't know. Or watch White Noise again at some point and go, yeah, yeah, those. The third floor is where two patients murdered a third using a bed frame. Like you mentioned earlier. The one I mentioned earlier. The ghost of the man is is said to haunt the room he was killed in. He shares the space with another inmate known as Big Jim, as well as a nurse called Elizabeth. It's a busy room. It is. I hope they all get on. Located on the fourth floor is another well-known spirit, a child named Lily, who sits patiently in a room filled with toys, waiting for someone to play with her. Wearing a white dress, she is said to be about nine years old. Lily likes to play games with visitors and staff. Naturally, yeah. yeah. As toys move around of their own accord and a music box turns on by itself. That does sound fun. It's nice. If you'd be creepy, but it's nice. Legend has it that Lily was a little girl who spent all or most of her short, sad life inside the asylum. One story says that she was dropped off by her parents at the hospital, while another tale says that she was born to a committed mother. Sadly, she died of pneumonia, age nine and has never left the only home that she ever knew. So it's little wonder that after all these horrific things happened within the walls, that tortured spirits remain there full of hate, remorse, anger, and while the attraction now brings macabre interest and joy to thousands of tourists every year, let's hope one day the spirits may find peace. Sorry, that was a bit heavy, wasn't it? Well, it's okay. I mean, if you were to go through some, if you lived somewhere that had all that going on, you'd probably like jump at the guards as well and slice their necks open. Yeah. Uh, as in the beginning of Orphan First Kill. So, Absolutely. And they'd be like, you know what? That snow doesn't look that bad yeah. out there. I'm going to tear away and go yeah. and try and impersonate some random kid. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, as I said, there were a few trigger warnings. That was quite a heavy, heavy story, for, especially for us. So, I hope that was all right, guys. It was interesting, but I know there's a lot of quite intense stuff to listen to there. So, Hope you've enjoyed it um, and it wasn't too much. I'm sure it would be okay, yeah. really. Um, cool. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. It's probably best. I think we should go and, you know, eat some ice cream and some chocolate and feel happy for a little bit. Okay. And I think I think you should guys should too. Yeah, go eat some ice cream. Yeah. Good idea. Health advice. Yep. So as always, you can contact us at ghostgeekuk at gmail.com. You can. That is ghostgeekuk at gmail.com. We've had a few film suggestions. He's practicing his Halloween laugh. I, well, I've got we to get in practice. It's only, it's, only, it's only a few more weeks. Yeah. 
Um, we've had a few film suggestions, so thank you very yeah. much. We are working through them. Um, and next episode will be a brand new horror film, which will be exciting. <laughs> um, it will still hopefully be new by the time the episode goes out. Yeah, yeah it'll be fine. It will still be, be in the cinema. It will be something you want to go and see. Um, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Send us your film recommendations. And also, if you have any real-life uh, ghost stories that you've experienced, do send them in. We yeah. would love to do another listeners episode Absolutely, at some yeah. point. That would be very cool. Um, thank you so much for listening. We will should be back in two weeks. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm sure we will be. I'm sure we will yeah. be. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves, and yes. we'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.